بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العربين الحمد لله we are able to have once again our webinar on Monajar Khamsat Ashar. We are starting uh, a little bit late because we wanted the uh, uh, brothers and sisters who are doing their iftar to be able to join us. I am this time in UK. Uh, here is just before Fajr and for some of you is after iftar. Uh, I hope that inshallah this month of Ramadan will be a very special month for all of you. Okay, let us start from this part of Munajat of Ar-Rajin, those who are hopeful. If you remember, we said it's very important to have a balance between fear and hope and after having munajatul khaifin those who are fearful then we have this munajat which is for the people who are hopeful and indeed this munajat gives us all the reasons to keep us hopeful because if we don't have hope if we are despaired then we would never make any try any effort to improve ourselves uh, I start from this sentence Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Kayfa ansaka wa lam tazal dhaakari wa kayfa alhu anka wa anta muraqibi Oh Allah how can I forget you while you have always been remembering me you know whenever someone shows attention to you whenever someone remembers you naturally you reciprocate there is such a feeling in human beings that when we receive something good from someone we should reciprocate if you receive a gift you want to reciprocate Maybe you cannot do the same thing, for example, you know, you cannot reciprocate what your parents have done for you. But you try to give something to show that you understand, you acknowledge, you appreciate. The fact that someone remembers you is also a kind of gift. You need to reciprocate and that is to remember that person. Someone sends you a letter, so you send him reply. Someone remembers you in his du'as, so you try to remember him in your du'as or her in your du'as. So this mutual remembrance is very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says, Remember me, if you remember me, I remember you. As I said last week, 
we know that Allah remembers all human beings, all creatures. If He doesn't remember us, we would not be able to continue to exist. But there is a special meaning for remembrance in this sentence here and also in some verses of the Quran. And that is remembrance with love, remembrance with kindness. Although Allah remembers everyone, but in a sense you can say Allah remembers some people and doesn't remember other people. There are people who are remembered but neglected, means they are not loved, as if they are forgotten. You know, sometimes there is someone maybe standing in front of you, but for some reason you ignore him, as if you don't know about him. You don't know that he exists. So, when Allah says, if you remember me, I remember you, it doesn't mean that he doesn't remember at all those who forget him. It means that he doesn't remember them in a good way. He doesn't remember them in a, you know, kind way. He doesn't provide them with additional support. So, now... We are talking about my responsibility. I know that Allah has always remembered me and Allah has always been supporting me and has always been blessing me in many, many ways. Ways that I understand and there are many ways that even we don't understand how Allah has helped us. So, as a result, I feel responsible to remember Him. كَيْفَ أَنْسَاكَ how can I forget you and you have constantly remembered me? You have always been remembering me. So this is good. This gives hope. How should I be heedless about you? How should I be diverted from you while you are always watching me? So... When Allah is all the time watching us and observing what we do and monitoring us, so we should not be heedless. Elahi bizayle karamika a'alaqatu yadi. O Allah, my Lord, I have fastened my hand to the skirt of your generosity. You know, it's a kind of metaphor. As if there is a skirt, you know, a shirt, and you hold onto it, you fasten your hand to it to ask for help. You know, sometimes when a child wants something from his mother, holds on to the, you know, skirt of mother or shirt of mother, it's a sign of uh, demand, but at the same time, uh, a sign of showing. Yet that you are desperate, you are really in need of this. You want to bring attention by stopping your mother from moving, you know, keeping, you know, the dress of your mother, for example. So, and normally, for example, to show your maximum humbleness, you take and fasten your hand to the bottom of the dress, you know, for example, a place which is touching the ground. So here we say to Allah, my Lord, I have fastened my hand to the skirt of your generosity. 
So if you imagine generosity of Allah as a dress which is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, it's very beautiful. Allah doesn't have body and doesn't have, you know, physical dress. But imagine if we want to have a kind of dress for Allah, so it would be his qualities. And one of them is his generosity. So imagine his generosity as a dress. And we want to hold on that and uh, appeal to that. I have stretched forth my expectation toward reaching your gifts. Those who have a request, like you know, beggars, for example, or people who are in need, they stretch their hand. It's a sign of humble request. If you stretch your hand, means you really want help. You know, for the people who are arrogant, arrogant, it's very difficult to stretch their hand. It is said that a person, you know, was drowning in a river, and because he was very, you know, much suffering uh, from bukhl, you know, was miserly. So he was not stretching his hand and saying, people, you know, help me, you know. He was saying, give your hand to me. You know, he was asking people to stretch their hand to him and, you know, try to rescue him. He was not stretching his hand. So it's a sign of humbleness that you stretch your hand for help. So he said, I have stretched forth my expectation toward reaching your gifts. So now what I want from you, when I have fastened my hand to your dress of generosity, when I have, you know, for example, come to you, you with stretching my hand, what do I want? This is what I want. Please purify me with your tawheed, monotheism. But pure Tawheed. So render me pure through the purest profession of your unity. Because unfortunately, although there are many, many who believe in unity of God, but either in theory or most of the time in practice, our Tawheed is not pure. Our Tawheed is not immune from shirk. And this is why Allah says in the Quran, that most of them they don't believe in God unless they are also suffering from some kind of shirk and polytheism. For example, we believe that Allah is the sustainer, but at the same time we think that our sustenance comes, for example, from bad sources as well. This is why sometimes people cheat or you know ask you know people you know to do something for them and they forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's good, you work, you plan, you work with the people, but you should not think that they are source of your sustenance. Or for example, we know that shifa and healing comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but then we think that it is the doctor or medicine which is giving shifa. No, they are instruments. But finally shifa comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In any case, we should try to have pure tawheed. Tawheed, which is free from shirk. So we say, please purify me by having your pure Tawheed. وَجَعَلْنِي مِنْ صَفْبَةَ عَبِيدِكَ 
please include me among the chosen servants of you, the best of your servants. I want to be among your servants. I want to be also among the best of them. You know, you have to always be ambitious in good things. You should try to have the best because if you reduce your expectation and lower the level of your ambition and just aim at something minimal, then you would not make enough efforts. For example, if you want to pass the exam, there is a chance that you may not even pass the exam. You say, you know, I want just to pass the exam. So you do a little efforts, just enough to pass the exam. And if one question is difficult, you may fail. But if you say, I want to get excellent results, so either you get excellent results, or at least you would be much above the bottom line. So we should aim at being not only a normal servant of Allah, but you should try to be among the chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we say, you know, in this beautiful du'a, Quranic du'a, that وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا Please include us among the people who are leaders of the pious. Not only they are muttaqi, they are imamul muttaqin. They are leaders and role models for the pious people. يَامًا كُلُّ هَارَبٍ إِلَيْهِ يَلْتَجِيهِ O oh, the one to whom everyone who is running away comes and tries to find asylum or refuge. You know, people sometimes for some reason run away, they escape. When there is a danger, when there is a risk, when there are enemies after them, so they try to run away and find a place in which they can have protection, safety, they can find refuge. So, who is the one that everyone can feel safe when he goes to him and he has the power and the means to provide them with absolute protection? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya man kullu yaltaji O he who is the asylum of every fleer and everyone who is seeking anything, who is trying to achieve anything, has hope in him. So he's the hope of every seeker. Either in the sense that everyone knows that what he wants comes from Allah and it is in his hand, or in the sense that even people may not know consciously that everything comes from him. But whether they know or not, at the end, whatever they want, it is from him. You know, like, One interpretation is that we as believers in God, we only worship him and we only ask him for help and assistance. But another interpretation is that not only we as believers, every human being, those who know God or don't know God, those who worship God and those who don't worship God consciously, whether they understand or not, they are worshipping Him. 
Even those who worship idols, they worship idols because mistakenly they think these idols can help them. So they look in some qualities in those idols, look for some qualities in those idols that come from God. Those who ask help from anyone, they in reality are asking help from God. And this is why, you know, some people like Ibn Arabi say that no one has ever worshipped any idol. Even the idol worshippers, in reality, they have worshipped God, but just are confused. And this confusion, of course, is to be avoided. But in reality, everyone is after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone is seeking closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even those who are after money, those who are after power, in reality... They are after absolute power, absolute richness, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, here can mean the same. Oh, the one that every seeker has hope in him, and means the seekers who are knowledgeable of God, or means even if they are not knowledgeable of God, if they don't believe in God, but in reality, whatever they want is from Allah, because there is no good unless it's from him. Ya khayra marjubbin of the one who is the best one that has ever been hoped for anything good. Best object of hope. If you have hope in being helped by your friend, your brothers and sisters, your parents, your children, your colleagues, your neighbors, fellow human beings, you must know that the best one to have hope in him is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَا أَكْرَمَ مَدْعُوبٍ And oh, the most generous object of supplication. The one who is the best person who has ever been called. Dua means to call. So either it means calling in general or means supplicating. So, he is the best one who has been supplicated, or he is the best one who has been called. وَيَامًا لَا يُرَدُّ سَائِلُهُ Or, لَا يَرُدُّ سَائِلَهُ Both can be correct. Oh, the one who does not reject the one who asks him, the one who requests him for giving, who begs him, or the one who is Asker is not rejected. It doesn't make that much difference. It's impossible if you know someone goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah rejects him. He's so generous that even people before going to him, he gives them. So what about those people that go to him and ask him for help? So we say وَلَا يُخَيَّبُ عَامِلُهُ or وَلَا يُخَيَّبُ عَامِلُهُ The one who does not disappoint the expectant, the one who expects him for help. Or the one who expects him would not be disappointed. You can uh, read it in the way which is passive verb or it is active. يَا مَنْ بَابُهُ مَفْتُوحٌ لِدَاعِي Oh, the one whose gate is open for those who call him or supplicate to him. His door is open. 
Allah doesn't say, for example, no one can come to me or you can come only at certain time. There is no, you know, some office hours that Allah keeps. Say, I am only making my door open, you know, for example, 9 to 5 or Monday to Friday. No. His door is always open. Of course, there are times that his blessing is more like, for example, you know, night of Friday, like months of Ramadan. There are certain occasions that not only his door is open, you are encouraged more to go there. There will be more facilities for you to go there. But otherwise, every time, every moment, his door is open for you to go. Ya man babuhu maftuhun lada'i wa hijabuhu marfu'un this is very beautiful. The one who have hope in Allah, there is no veil, there is no hijab. You know, normally the people who are very important, like for example kings, they don't let people to see them. There are either some people, like some guards and security people who stand between them and people, or there are some walls between them and people, or some curtain between them and people. So they're not very much keen to be seen by people, you know, directly and immediately, without any hijab, without any barrier, without any veil. With respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as far as He is concerned, there is no hijab. It is us that we put hijab. As we have in Dua Abu Hamza, that Allah has not put hijab. It's our actions that bring hijab. If someone goes towards Allah with hope, there is no hijab. He doesn't say, Don't come close to me. No, he indeed says, Come closer. So, whose veil is lifted for those who have hope in him. Okay, now after calling him with these qualities, we say, As'aluka bikaramika an tamunna alayya min ataika bima taqarrubihi aini. I ask you by your generosity to oblige me, to show kindness toward me through your gifts with that which will gladden my eyes. So give me so much that my eyes become very bright, full of, you know, joy. And please, through hope in you, make me very tranquil. Give me serenity. I don't want even a slight worry remain in my heart. I want to be so much hopeful that my heart becomes, you know, restful and tranquil. And give me from certainty that much that or that by that certainty you make the calamities and afflictions of this world very easy for me. 
or they become very easy for me. Either you make it in you know, transient or intransient verbs. So you make it very close, uh, very easy for me, or they become very easy for me. Because you know, when you have yaqeen, when you have certainty, one of the things that certainty does is that you would be able to go through difficulties and remain intact and persistent. Because you know, there is akhirah, there is eternal life, and you will be rewarded. You will not be broken, you will not be shaken, you will not lose your faith. Yaqeen makes things easy. You know, if I have yaqeen that this, for example, surgery, this operation is going to end with my health, then I am ready to accept all the pain and suffering. But if, you know, some people say, maybe this operation will work, maybe it doesn't work, then it's very difficult. Sometimes you decide not to have the operation. Another thing that Yaqeen does is that Yaqeen makes your eyes sharp. Not only the eyes of the head, the eyes of the heart. So all the wells will go away. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, If you had knowledge of certainty, you would have been able to see the hell. So those who are really, you know, muqan, they have yaqeen, they have certainty, there is no hijab for them. They can see the realities. Like the people who have died. The people who have died because they have yaqeen, then they can see the things. And lift from my insight, my vision, the whales of blindness. So I don't want to be blind anymore. I want all this because of your mercy. It's not because of what I have done. It's not that I deserve, you know, these things. But because of your mercy, I expected things from you and I have great hope and expectation. Why? Because you are Arhamur Rahameen. You are the most merciful of the merciful. Compared to your mercy, the mercy of people is nothing. You know, you may have seen people in, among your family members or you know, friends that are very merciful. Or even you may have, for example, read about some people who have served people, who have gone through difficulties to make other people you know, happy or to reduce their pain. At least you have had in your family some people who have been very kind to you and merciful to you. Or you yourself have been very merciful to your children, to your friends. But your mercy compared to the mercy of Allah is nothing. The love of Ya'qub for Prophet Yusuf was a lot. You know, if you read the story of Yusuf carefully, you find that Ya'qub had very special love for Yusuf. So much so that he became blind when he lost Yusuf. How many parents in the world have become blind when they lose their children? Not that many. And when he had the fragrance of Yusuf, he became again able to see. 
How many people have this quality? He was a prophet, but so much loved his son Yusuf for the good qualities that Yusuf had, that he became blind when he lost him, and he became able to see him when he was hoping that he would be soon joining him because he had his dress, his shirt. But according to some hadith, the love of Yaqub for Yusuf, which is very special love, and many parents don't have that level of love, compared to the love of Allah to us is nothing. We cannot compare. Allah loves us so much that no loving mother or father or friend or children have ever loved us. Even He loves us more than we love ourselves. You know how much we love ourselves? Allah loves us more. Because love comes from mercy, from rahmah. A real love comes from mercy. An honest love, a genuine love comes from kindness. Who is the Arhamur Rahim? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He loves us not to gain anything from this love. He doesn't want anything from us. He doesn't even want you know, reward from someone. He genuinely loves us. And because of that, then we can have all these expectations. So it makes us very hopeful that if we ask reasonable things from Allah, then Allah will give us. Yes, you shouldn't ask things which are not reasonable. You don't say, you know, I want to insist on doing bad things and I want to be forgiven. I want to annoy people and I want to be treated, you know, with, for example, honor. No. But the people who are careful, the people who make their efforts, who try to be good, they know they have problems, they try to improve, they try to stop bad things as soon as they realize. But at the same time, they are full of needs. When they go honestly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they know He is Arhamur Rahimin and they believe in that and they try to resemble Arhamur Rahimin, then Allah gives them. This is very important. Not only should acknowledge He is Arhamur Rahimin, you should try to resemble. If to be Arhamur Rahimin is good, so you have to also be at least among Rahimin. You cannot be Arhamur Rahimin, but you also try to be Rahimin. How can I say to someone, please forgive me? But I never forgive anyone else. If to forgive is good, so why you don't try yourself? How can I say someone, you know, please be generous with me, and I have never been generous to anyone else? So when you say, oh Allah, please be merciful, please treat me with his mercy, have mercy on me, you have to also try to resemble him according to your capacity. Try to be merciful to your children, to your employee, to your servants, to people who come to your access, to your reach, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will treat you with his mercy. Okay, so alhamdulillah we have uh, finished Munajat uh, al-Rajin. Of course, you know, we can uh, discuss every line, you know, in a much more detailed way, but we have decided from the beginning to have uh, two, three sessions on each Munajat to familiarize ourselves with the concepts which are in these munajat. So alhamdulillah this munajat is finished and inshallah we will start the next munajat next week. So if there is
any question you can send me uh, the first question is salamun alaikum alaikum assalam rahmatullah one of the reason fasting will help is ease in hunger and thirst on the day of qiyamah does this mean that the pious believers will also go through hunger and thirst on the day of qiyamah the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said when you fast and you become hungry and thirsty, remember the hunger and thirst of the day of judgment. So it seems that people will experience hunger and thirst on the day of judgment. And now we have to remember, whenever you become thirsty or hungry when you are fasting, remember that. Of course, this hunger and thirst help to ease the hunger and thirst on the Day of Judgment. But this doesn't mean necessarily everyone would have hunger and thirst on the Day of Judgment. There are people who have been so good and so much uh, close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that for them the day of judgment would not be difficult at all so it's the day of thirst and hunger in the sense that generally people experience this but many people would be uh, they would be safe from all these problems on the day of judgment inshallah Question 2. When you see the most of your prayers are being answered by Allah one after the other, as such, is it okay to think that we are in the good books of Allah in such thinking, or is such thinking harmful for us? You know, if your prayers are accepted one after the other, inshallah, this is a sign that Allah loves you. As long as your prayers are good and your reaction is thankfulness and humbleness so there are two things sometimes you ask for bad things and they happen or sometimes you ask for good things and they happen but then you are arrogant both cases have problems but if you ask for good things and those good things happen and when they happen you feel very much obliged, you feel you have to be thankful to Allah, you feel very humble, so that is a sign of inshallah being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you think you are special, if you become proud or if you think that it was yourself that achieved this, that is a problem. So inshallah, in this case it's not like that inshallah these prayers have been rational reasonable requests and have brought softness to the heart have brought gratitude to the heart and humbleness to the heart so this is good and inshallah uh, this must be kept and preserved because sometimes you have good you know experiences but then you may lose. You have to be very careful to safeguard them. I am waiting for the next question. Uh, question 3. Salam, Dr. Shumali. Alaikum as-salam. Ramadan Mubarak. Inshallah, it will be Mubarak to you as well. 
It is always a gift to have this lecture series during the nights of Qadr. We have many opportunities to ask for hajat. We know not to ask for materialistic things, but for spiritual gifts. Therefore, what gifts should we be optimally asking for? Thank you for your good question. Indeed, this is an art to know what to ask. You know, imagine you are, for example, given one minute to make your request. So you must be so clever and so much prepared in advance that you know what to mention in one minute. Laylatul Qadr is a very special time. It's a golden opportunity. And we have to make sure that we don't forget anything. Alhamdulillah, we have du'as in which everything is asked, either specifically or in a general way. So one of the beauties of reciting these du'as from Ahlul Bayt is that they include everything. Among the things that we should ask are our materialistic things. It's not bad to ask them. But it's bad to be limited to them. You know, Allah said to Prophet Musa, ask me even the salt for your food. This is good. It's a matter of humbleness. That even I ask from Allah to have food, to have even, for example, water, to have good job. These are all good to be asked from Allah. But if you limit your request to this, this is bad. So if you have only chance to make one request, of course you ask for spiritual things. But if you have chance to make more, so you should be inclusive. Everything that you need. You have physical needs, materialistic needs, you have spiritual needs, you have needs in dunya, you have needs in akhirah. You have things for yourself, you have things to remember for your community. So you have to try to be comprehensive. Therefore, it's better to think carefully before Laylatul Qadr and make a list of your requests. You can do it in the Laylatul Qadr, but maybe then you forget, maybe the time is not enough. So you can make a list. Also a list of the people for whom you want to pray in a particular way and make them ready for Laylatul Qadr, inshallah. And then in Laylatul Qadr, keep asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about those things. And at the end also we should say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are the things that come to my mind. But maybe there are things that you know and I have forgotten or I have never thought about them. So please bring me for me and give me everything which is good for me. As we know, we have in some of the du'as, you know, we say, Oh Allah, I ask you the best thing that your righteous servants have asked you. Allahumma inni as'aluka khayra ma sa'alaka bihi abaduka salun. As we have in the du'a of Salatul Eid. Everything good, I want it. Everything bad, I want to be avoided. Everything that good that you give to your good servants, please give to me. So these are some way of asking for everything in a general way, but also it's very important to make a specific du'as for your uh, urging needs. Inshallah, 
I hope that we can benefit from Laylatul Qadr this year, which is really amazing. You know, in one night, you can achieve what can be achieved in the entire life. One night better than some 80 years, you know, 80 years of work is less than one night. Because 80 years means 960 months. And this is better than 1,000 months. It's not even equal to 1,000 months. So that night is very special. May Allah, inshallah, keep us alert, keep us fresh, keep us very, um, you know, conscious in Laylatul Qadr so that we can really witness Laylatul Qadr and benefit from Laylatul Qadr. Okay, I think the questions are over. And... I stop here with prayer that inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all your a'mal in this month of Ramadan. May Allah inshallah forgive us. May Allah enable us to benefit from every moment of this month of Ramadan. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help all people who are suffering in this world for any reason. Those who are poor, those who are ill, those who are suffering from having no security, having no job, having not uh, means to marry. May Allah help all people and reduce their suffering and if possible to stop their suffering. May Allah inshallah hasten the reappearance of Imam Mahdi Sharif, and may inshallah he be pleased with us, with our performance and may inshallah we would be among the people who serve him before and after he comes. May Allah, inshallah, give shifa to all the people who are ill. Please remember us in your du'as, and may Allah be with you all the time. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.